0: On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And the old hymn says, and I'll cherish the old rugged cross, and my trophies I will lay down. Today I want to talk, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. It's called turning towards What's really in the way? Is it the old rugged cross? I thought it'd be fitting as we move in to the Holy Week next week, as we celebrate that our Savior Jesus came in, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, as they were celebrating for some that He was the Messiah. But today I'm going to take us back just a few or move us forward just a few and celebrate truly the old rugged cross. What is it? What does it mean to us? The shame, the suffering, the pain, and the agony. For many of you today, you said, Wow, this cross is awkward. It's right up front. I did that for a reason. For it says in First Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen here's what it reads. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Listen to this spoken word.
1: Imagine a world so dark that a group of people who identify as united are continuously divided amongst themselves, required to find a side of the nation with which to align themselves, crying out for signs and more wonders from the God of their foremothers for 400 years, all the while hearing nothing but This climate, this imperfect geopolitical mixture of cultures, religions, and violence, then God decided the time had fully come for His Son, Jesus, to enter into the picture, offering deliverance to every brother and sister, every mother and father, yes, every individual living, breathing, moving, being, inhabiting the face of this earth. Oh trusted in his message of salvation. There was no beauty or majesty in his physical appearance that would attract us to this man of sorrows and pain who was acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weaknesses he carried, our sorrows and our pain that weighed him down. Even though we ignorantly assumed his troubles were a punishment for his sins, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our injustices. gone astray from God's path to follow our own way. Yet the Lord lay on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted but never said a word as he was unjustly convicted. Led away like a lamb to the slaughter. Buried like a criminal and placed in a rich man's grave. lies and lust and greed and wrath and pride. Our hearts are just unclean, but if you lay them at your feet, Jesus, you are the vaccine. Our sins are so pandemic, yet you not us recklessly with love and mercy and grace.
0: Powerful, isn't it? I want to thank my media team that put that together. Not really. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that we have uh, the technology that we have that can take all that I really want to say and just sum it up in three minutes through spoken word and a song. I mean, it really does move me to think that, um, that he's no longer in a rich man's tomb. But he is risen and he is alive. Today I want to turn our focus about the grace of God and the grace of the cross. And what does it mean as we move forward and how can we embrace picking up the cross? Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 16 verses 24. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples... If anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then it says in verse 26, it reads for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His works. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning. Father, thank You for the cross. Thank You for the emotion that I feel every year around this time of Easter. For, Father, You know those quiet moments that we have together. And how my heart aches in pain and agony for all of humanity that does not understand the significance of Your death, Your burial, and Your resurrection. Father, I'm thankful that today that I can stand before these crosses And for some it could be a distraction. For others, it could be a focal point. But God, today I pray that as we remember the cross of Calvary, that we'll remember the suffering and the shame that You endured for the world. Father, there's someone in here today That needs this message. Maybe they're dealing with surrender in their own life. Or maybe resting within their spirit in regard to being a substitute. Saying that I'll step in. I'll pick up the cross of Christ. For today, Father, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Bless your people. Bless your church. In your holy name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, there was a pastor friend who told me a true story about an event that had happened in his past. And it seems that he, the pastor friend, led a prominent business man to faith in Christ. He led him to Christ and showed him the way of the cross. This man's faith was so genuine that it began impacting every Part of his life, even how he did business. In point of fact, his new faith not only affected every part of his life, but also how he viewed all of life and the world around him. The day he bowed his knee at the cross of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and the salvation of his soul. The old rugged cross became his place of change became his place of redemption, became his place of freedom for help and for hope, but more importantly, became a place of life for this businessman. This was so true for him that he began looking for the church building where he worshiped and noticed that there was no cross to be seen in the place. He was indeed a successful businessman and possess the financial resources needed to fund the project. So he offered to his pastor, now friend, and and the money which would needed to be put up for a cross in their worship center. He said, what can I do? So with excitement, the pastor started the process of taking this through the channels of the church, only to run up against a brick wall. What do you mean? Place a huge cross in the church, in the sanctuary? Why would we do such a thing? Well, there would be no cross in that worship center. Why? Because the cross could be offensive. Because the cross could be offensive. Have you all noticed the cross this morning? Actually, how can you not notice that I put this cross up here? It's simply up here on the platform and it's considered in the way. It's in the way of the praise team. You can still see the Lord's supper table. She's <laughs> so laughing. My wife's thinking the same thing. You have to look around it to see the bigger cross, don't you? Every time you turn your eye up here, all you can see is, is the cross. I did that for a reason. And I'm going to ask you this question today. What is it about? In fact, I suggest and submit some in here have already wanted to get the cross out of the way. Be honest with yourself and with me and others. And you know what? You have just preached today's message. People really want to get the cross out of their way. If they can get the cross out of their way then they can do what they want. I was putting it up. I had the the gentleman, uh, Pastor Luke and Scotty, were putting it up here earlier, and I said, I want it right in the center. I want it to be a strange place for everybody. And at one point I thought, well, I might just stick it right in the center of the whole auditorium. I've never done this, but you guys do know that I do some crazy stuff around here. And I think today, when we're looking at Moving through the Via Della Rosa, moving through Golgotha, understanding the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I need us to understand the power of the cross and the power of Jesus. And sometimes it's difficult for me to even get through messages like this because I find it very, I think this is why I as a pastor serve the Lord. I serve him because I love him. Because it's the reason Why I surrendered many years ago was because of the suffering of the cross. Because the suffering of my Christian life. I said to Jay, so what do you think about this? And he used the word and I thought it was so befitting for today's message. And I patted him on the shoulder. He said, that's awkward. It is awkward. My wife says, I can't see the words. So when you guys thought everybody was getting their groove on up here, it's because they really weren't. They were trying to see the words, but it went with the music. Music and i did that for a reason they didn't know i was putting it up here but i thought i would kind of give you all a visual as we move through easter the person who has never placed their faith in christ wants the cross out of their way because as it says in 1 corinthians 118 the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are outside of their faith that they are perishing Sometimes those who profess faith in Christ want the cross out of the way because Jesus said, if anyone would come after me or follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and then follow me. I like what it says in Luke, and I didn't put that in my notes today, but it says that if you pick up the cross, then you become one of my disciples. By show of hands, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus today? Hallelujah. Many of us want to exemplify Christ. We want the world to know the power of Jesus. Do you realize that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke all recorded those words of Jesus? So these are important, even paramount to the Christ follower. But here's the truth this morning. For the one who follows Christ from a distance, the cross gets in the way of a lot of things. And today, I want to simply answer a few questions about the cross. Number one, what is it? What is it? We have sung about the cross and how much we cherish and love it. Admittedly, without the cross, we have no hope of what? We have no hope of heaven in eternal life. But the reality of the cross is, Is sobering. Why? Because I'm going to go through this with you. Because I truly believe as we focus and we turn our hearts and our minds and our souls towards the cross, I believe that it is a place of shame. It's a place of shame. You see, a public crucifixion was intended to deter others from committing such an act. That would require this type of punishment. You see, the Romans were masters of the crucifixion. They knew how to exact the response from all of the onlookers, from all of the people. The Bible tells us that they stripped Jesus. Over the years, artists' renditions have graciously put a loincloth on Jesus. But historical evidence indicates that it is more likely that Jesus was stripped bare and crucified naked. naked. While what? While the soldier, soldiers, it's coming out today, I promise you, gambled for their prize and for his clothes. Hanging naked caused the victim, his family, the countrymen, the other Jews... And all who looked on Him, a great deal of shame. A great deal of embarrassment. It says in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 4, "...who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord has been revealed?" for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground he has no former comeliness and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him I love this part of isaiah so the prophet is prophesying and he says he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not Esteem Him. Oh, surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and He was afflicted. A place of shame. You heard me say that in Matthew, that this is a place where we must pick up the cross of Christ. He said, if you want to be a follower of me, you'll pick up that same amount of shame in your life. What hinders us believe that it's our pride. It's our pride. We can't even tell our neighbors. We know Jesus. We can't be an example. We won't even express the love of Christ or the light of Christ for fear. Now there's an expectation. Maybe I've got to put some things down in order to pick up the cross. Are you following me this morning? It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 33, it says, Behold, we are going up into Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Verse 34, it says, And they will mock him and scourge him and spit upon him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Listen, church, that at the end of your suffering, there's great victory coming. Hallelujah. There's shame, but there's also victory. I'm living proof of it. I know that in my life there's been a sense of embarrassment. There's been a sense of grief. There's been a sense of shame. I have been persecuted. I have been put down. Oh, look at you. Oh, look at you. Oh, who do you think you are? All I know is that it's by the grace of God that I can put down. My shame. So we see that it was a place of shame, but also it was a place of suffering. And once again, the Romans were masters of the crucifixion. The purpose of such a punishment was not just simply death, although death was the ultimate result. They desired for the victim to writhe in agony, to writhe in pain. The nails in the hands and feet, that little seat called uh, the sedile, the distance between the nails were all strategically placed to do what? But to cause suffering. The little seat was actually a sharp board which would cut into the backside. The nails between the radio and ulna was placed to cause the nerves to electrify when weight was placed on them. And the nails in his ankles, which allowed the victim to stand, were placed to bring excruciating pain. And ultimately, his arms would be dislocated in the shoulders. He would no longer be able to pull up for a breath. Or even the nails that were in his ankles would not hold his weight. And then sooner, probably than later, a painful death would ensue. The suffering of the cross. The shame of the cross. And it was a place of sacrifice. A place of sacrifice. Sacrifice is not a popular word today. And the definitions explain why. It's because it says it's the act of giving up something you want to keep. Especially in order to get or do something to help. Someone else. Or, sacrifice is an act of offering to a deity something precious, especially the killing of a victim on the altar, or even the surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered, or having a higher or more pressing claim. You see, this morning, sacrifice is giving up, offering, surrendering and these are not popular concepts yet jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for centuries the jewish people had centered their lives around raising that perfect spotless and acceptable lamb to sacrifice during the passover and on the cross hung the Lamb slain before the foundation of all the world. Jesus gave up. He offered and surrendered His perfect life for every single imperfect life. Think about it. Death on the cross was reserved for sinful and wicked people. Yet on the cross was a sinless and perfect person says in acts five and you can follow with me verses 30 and 31 the god of our fathers raised up jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree him god is exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins it also says in Acts chapter 10, verse 39, And we are witnesses of all things which we did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. And then in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 23, it says this, Knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Think about this. What have you done? How have you sacrificed your life for Christ? Is this just a Sunday morning visit to the church? Is this actually a religious responsibility that you've taken on? Or have you said, you know what, I know Jesus is number one in my life, and I know the cross might have brought suffering, might have brought shame, but I know that he came as a sacrifice. He gave up his life, and all he's asking for us, church, is to give up our time, our life, our all. Do you understand what that means? We hold on to every material thing. What have you sacrificed this Easter season as you turn towards the cross? Can I ask you an important question? What have you sacrificed? What have you given up? What have you done for the old rugged cross? And how and to what depth and how deep will you go to understand the love of Christ? So we see that surrender comes with following Jesus. He said, old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. Then we see, and can you turn on the fans for me, please? It's a place of substitution, a place of substitution. The reason he was there was to take our place. This is my place. This is your place. The Bible says Christ died once, the godly for the ungodly, that he might bring us to God. In 1 Peter chapter 4 it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. How many of you guys are sports enthusiasts in here? Oh, just a couple. You just lied right in church. I know better because I know how some of you are like, Pastor, what time are we getting out of church today? By noon? Why do you ask? Because the Cleveland Browns are playing. Okay. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Because Green Bay's playing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and we bust the move to get out of here and everybody's here today. He set me up. He set me up. How many of you are sports with you? I might be. (laughs) We realize, and in sports, we know that the word substitute means just this someone will fill our position. And this is exactly what happened on the cross. Someone filled our positions the nail, the thorns, the stripes, and the abuse was mine because I was and I am the sinner. And when he died, he died for us. I like what Jimmy Owen said years ago. He wrote these words. Now listen closely. When we were sinners, Jesus came and took upon himself our blame, willing to bear our sin and shame. For he died for us. The Son of Man became a man fulfilling God's eternal plan. Conceived before the world began, He died for us. And there once stood a wall deep and wide, strong and tall. There it stood, built of all our holiness. But this man, by His blood, broke the wall, loosed the flood of the mercies of God to mankind and to all humanity. And now today, April 3rd, God offers to each one a priceless pardon for what we've done. Isaiah 53, verse 5 reads, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed." Yet it says, and we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because of Jesus, his own son who died for us, he died for us. It says in First John chapter 2, man, I love scripture. Man, I love the word. There's so much to be said about the cross. I could go on till probably 3 o'clock this afternoon. For sake of time, I won't. That he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole wide world. The cross is the place where our Lord said, I love you this much. And he suffered your punishment. So it's a place of salvation. Better said, the cross is the place of salvation. There is no other place where a person can find salvation. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Here's the hard truth where you and I could be saved. We must come face to face with the truth that we cannot save ourselves, that we are both helpless and hopeless on our own. In love, Jesus died for us. By love, He offers forgiveness and pardon to us. And with love, He reached to you and me saying, Come And be saved. Come to the old-fashioned altar. Come to the old rugged cross. You must come to the cross. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth, believe Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says... Whoever believes in him will not put to shame. For there is no distinction, no difference between the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 13. How many of you believe this today? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad I've been saved. And thankful for the old. Rugged cross. Number two, what am I doing with the cross? What am I doing with the cross? The cross stands in the path of your life. And today you see the cross front and center. As you look at the cross, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Are you moved? It says in the scriptures that the soldiers cast lots. They gambled for his cloak. They were playing games at the cross. Sometimes we do play games. A lot of you love your phones. Sometimes in church, if I decide to, to come on down and look around, some of you are playing games on your phone. Not me, Pastor. Never. Your, your messages just reach deep. I'm just kidding. We love games. Solitaire. That coloring game, trivial pursuits, charades, monopoly, family feud, chicken. In church, about are but a few that we play, right? Hmm. The better plan is to embrace the cross. And here's what Jesus said. If you are going with me, if you are going with me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The cross is the centerpiece of life given to Christ. And number three. Where is the cross in my life? Where is the cross in your life? Do you have it centered? Too often the cross, which is the place where new life in Christ begins, is cast aside for other things. How about a couple questions? Does the sacrifice of Jesus control who you are? What you do and how you speak and how you live? Does something else control you? Is the cross of Jesus and his sacrifice centered in your life and in your heart? Is he a part of your life? Have you gotten over his gift to you of his life? And see, people just go on and on, and they don't understand the significance of what this season brings. So I'm going to end the message with this today. What is really in your way? What is really in your way? Today you have looked on the platform and said they need to get that cross out of the way. It's a distraction. The, I, I've, I've come in today and I, that's all I see, man. It's, it's hiding people. I'm looking around and I can't see what's going on. I wonder if that is not exactly what we speak in our lives every day. Get it out of the way. It's a distraction. You're trying to live life like you want it to be. Quite likely, the cross stands in your way. And I'm going to conclude. The cross stands in the way of your life. The cross stands in the way of life. A culture, anyone that is running away from God, if you run from God chances are you will run headlong into the cross because the cross is God's road sign to turn away from disaster. What really stands in the way today is our cultural belief. The culture has lied to us and told us that whatever we like, want, and even wish for is ours. If we'll just stay the course, you want happiness? Well, guess what? You deserve it. And you can have it, but you really don't need Jesus or the cross. How absurd that you would need a cross in your life. Why the cross? Why Jesus? Do you remember this morning how I began the message? I told about a church who refused to put a cross in the worship center. They didn't want the cross in a place of prayer, in the place of praise, in the place of worship. And it is worth noting this morning that many years later, that worship center was destroyed. So it is also with a life that is without a cross. Be careful. Jesus died for you. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus calls you to follow him and live for him. Now, here's where it gets personal. What is standing in your way? What's standing in your way? Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says this. It says this. Now listen closely and watch closely. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he said to his followers, he said to those that claim to be his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Now watch what Matthew chapter 10 verse 38 reads. Here's what it says. And he who does not take his cross, watch, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me. Believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me is not worthy of me. Woo! You know what that does? That causes us to jump out of our seats and run to an old-fashioned altar. Because what have we done to give up our life for Him? Here's what it says. The old rugged cross. And I love the words. It says, So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies. At last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. You can turn that out, son. So, and here's the wording of it. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Oh, but pastor, this reminds me back when I was a kid. Well, guess what reminds me back when I was a kid? Was this Bible that when I surrendered to preach, I grabbed a hold of. Let me just show you, church. This Bible goes everywhere with me. And I say this with all humility. That if we cherish the cross like we cherish the Word, like we cherish our life in Christ, by the end of our life, we should be old and tattered. And just like the hymn says... And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So to the old rugged cross I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. And so church, do you claim it today that you'll cherish the old rugged cross And then you'll lay down all those trophies, all the things that you've worked so hard for to make you proud in yourself. And then you'll cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. It says, I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Church. Pick up the cross of Christ. Embrace the cross of Christ. Understand its shame. Understand the sacrifice. Understand the surrender that comes with it. Here at New Hope, we believe that salvation is such an intricate part of our life. It says, verily, verily, I say to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever said, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on that cross. And today I come to you. I believe in you. Come into my heart and in my life. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Maybe for some of you, you've ran away. And for some of you, it might be that you've said, I'm just sick of church. I'm sick of the churchy people. I'm sick of Religion. I'm sick of the chaos that has brought this pain in my life. Well, lay it at the foot of the cross. Lay it down at the old-fashioned cross. There's forgiveness. And there's grace for each person. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you been baptized? Is there someone maybe in your life, in your family, that needs to be baptized? If you need baptized this coming Easter, and you know what that means? It means that... It's a symbolic outward profession of an inward confession. We're buried in the likeness of his death, and we're talking water baptism. We're buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. It's symbolic to be raised in life in this Easter. We're going to, if you need to be baptized, is there, stand to your feet this morning. Let us just celebrate with you. Is there anybody in here that needs to be baptized this? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this Easter, we'll, we'll have a baptism service, and we'll all celebrate in your new life in Christ. You may be seated. So church, let's rise to our feet. And I want you to come just as you are. And if the Holy Spirit has been moving and stirring within your spirit, I want you to come. I want you to come just as you are. And this song talks about broken vessels. How many of you believe you've been a little bit cracked and broken in your life? I know I have been. Well, welcome to my family. Because you're talking about a crackpot up here. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. We all need to come to the old rugged cross. Where I can lay my pride down, my trophies down at his feet. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you today for your message. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you that we remember the suffering and as we embark upon next week for palm sunday we look into holy week and as the ladies meet on that thursday evening to pray and have a time of reflection and focus father i pray for anointing that night as they pray through the easter season from good friday service to the celebration on the grounds of the outreach of children from all over father last year i believe there was over 300 Father, I pray that we ask that they'll see the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus. God, for some that are in this room, we ask you, Lord, that they'll lay down their trophies, lay down their pride, and exchange it for a crown. Thank you for the cross. Help us to pick it up and Allow it to not be a distraction in our life, but allow it as the weight of the world. Allow it to become a trophy, a banner, as we celebrate following You. It says, even though the cross is before me, the world is behind me, I'll never turn back. I'll never look back. For today... We've decided to follow you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.